Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. So, this is, this is actually number five in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And if you're just joining us, welcome. I see some new faces. I know we have some visitors in town. Welcome to our online people. You know, it's interesting how God uses technology to, get, to go all around the world. And there are so many people that are watching online that call this their home church. And, you know, I, I appreciate that they're watching. And, and, and we hear so many good testimonies about how they feel like they're part of this community. And just to y'all's credit, how y'all treat each other, even in this little section that we get, you know, we show <clears throat> the world out there through the internet, one of the things that we hear a lot from people online is how supportive this community seems to be of each other. You know, like the Kretsus, who we are gonna be getting an update from them uh, pretty soon. You know, if you're unfamiliar with who that is, it's a family that's been in our church for a couple of years. They were on the mission field uh, permanently or, or, you know, full time back in, I guess, the early 2000s. They were in Nepal for 10 years, came home for a couple of years. It got it back in their heart to go back out on the mission field. And so along with a lot of their connections, plus a lot of people from this ministry and people that are watching online got behind them and we were able to launch them out. So they are, they are in Thailand, they are laying the groundwork of what it is that they're going to be doing for the next several years, and I'm excited to, you know, sow into them and, and still continue to pray and support, pray for and support them and, <clears throat> and rejoice with them in the, the harvest, right? But watching how this community supports people, and I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about, you know, we genuinely get behind each other. That's something that we hear from a lot of these online testimonies come in, so good job. Do this. Pat yourself on the back. You guys are a supportive bunch of people, which is really what church should be, right? It's a community of believers that care about each other. We take the time to do this when we gather together to sow into ourselves, you know. We take the time to, I don't want to just consider it like going to the gym, but I mean, that's what church is. Church is a time for you to come in and invest in yourself. It's a time to come in and experience the working of the full body of Christ, you know, in, in all of the gifts that we bring. And I pray that you are serious about finding out those gifts that God is calling you into. They're all, you have all of the gifts in you. There's not a gift that any one believer has that you do not have, but God will draw you into functioning in a particular way in the body. And that's, that's my desire, honestly. That is my, I don't, I, we don't have programs that we need you to fit into. You know, I don't want you to catch my vision so that then God will give you a vision. I want you to get your own vision. Honestly, I want you to have a vision for what it looks like for you to follow Jesus. And then you're part of this community and this community supports that and gets behind you. Amen. Because then you fulfill the call of God on your life, not help me fulfill my call. I'm going to fulfill my call. It's just going to happen. I've just already made up my mind. But it's time for you to as well. And a lot of you are. A lot of you, you know, you got one toe in. Some of you are about up to the waist, but I want to help you go in all the way. That's why we gather. That's why we do the things that we do. It's why we do the things on Wednesday nights. 
I want you to organically, naturally express that call of God on your heart and step into a life devoted to Christ, fulfilling that passion. And that doesn't look like on stage or serving in the nursery for everybody. Some people, that means you don't really go to church that much, but you're doing the things that God is leading you to do out there. But you may become in touch base here. You know, we're not going to beat you up for not coming to church. What a concept. Watch online. You know, I think the average Christian goes to church about one and a half times a month now, if even. Some of y'all come all the time, which I love seeing your faces. But, man, it's about finding out what God has called you into. Amen? And that is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into the gifts and the offices of administration and, and what it looks like for you to follow God and what it looks like for you to be a part of the body and express that. Those are all the sermons that are going to be coming up in this Ministry of the Holy Spirit series. If you've missed some of these messages, we started out with this idea. This is John 15, 26, but, and this is Jesus speaking, but when the helper, say helper, he's not the condemner, you know, he's not the one that's going to, he's not your taskmaster, he's your helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper. But when the helper comes, who I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. This is the very first, when Jesus talks about him leaving and ascending and going back to heaven, he says it is expedient. In other words, the most important thing that could happen now after the resurrection is this. I go away so that I can send the Spirit. That's the most important thing that can happen once Jesus goes back up into heaven is that he send the Spirit. Why? Lots of things. In our first message in this series, we gave a list of probably 30 things. But so that you will be led and taught by the Spirit, so that you will be comforted by the Spirit, so that you will be counseled by the Spirit, be taught by the Spirit, be empowered by the Spirit, be convicted by the Spirit. And just so you know, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Spirit of God will never condemn you. In other words, execute judgment on you with a following penalty. Jesus already paid that price for you. But conviction is, hey, listen, you're my child. Come on. This is who you are in me. Walk this way. Walk uprightly. Here, here's some grace so that you can do it. And if you feel guilty or condemned or judged, that's just where you are in your own heart. It is never, it would actually be illegal for the Holy Spirit to condemn you for your failures and your sin because Jesus already paid for it. Amen. Now, does that mean you should continue in sin? No, no God forbid. God's not mocked. You continue in that stuff, it's going to kill you, produce death in your life. But as far as where you are with God, Jesus already paid for it for you. And you want to live in such a way that honors that salvation that you've been given. So you yield to the Holy Spirit who gives you grace, which is empowerment, to live well within that salvation that you've been given. Not to become more righteous or become more holy or more sanctified, but to live within that state of existence that you are now in Christ. So that's what the Spirit is doing. He's already done the work of salvation. He's cleaned you up spiritually. He's placed, God has placed His Spirit within you. He's given you a new heart. These are all things that we've been talking about. And then from there, He leads you on. And one of the main things that God desires is to have a body, a family on this planet 
through which he can be a blessing to all nations. If you go all the way back to Abraham, who God revealed himself to and wanted to reveal himself through, who were, you know, father is uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, who changed his name to Israel, who had 12 sons, and those are the 12 tribes of Israel, and that is the nation of Israel. Through the nation of Israel, God wanted to bless them so that they could be a blessing to all the earth. And then in Galatians 3, we find out that the true children of Abraham, the true Israel, are those who have placed faith in Christ. So you are engrafted into Christ through this new covenant. You are engrafted into the family of God through this new covenant. You are the true children of Abraham, whether Jew or Gentile, male or female, doesn't matter. So I'm not preaching replacement theology as if God throws away Israel. That's a physical thing. What we're talking about is a spiritual reality. Amen? Say, I'm a child of God. Amen. I was going to say something else, but child of God came out, so that's, we'll go with that. All right, so today, you know, like I said, we've been talking about a few different things. This idea of the Holy Spirit testifying of Jesus. The Holy Spirit moving in your life, one of the main things He's going to do is speak to you about what Jesus accomplished for you. Everything that the Holy Spirit will do in your life will testify of what Jesus has already accomplished for you. Now, He does say that the Holy Spirit will speak to you about things to come. He'll show you things to come. But it will be in the context of who you are in Christ and what Christ has accomplished for you. Amen? So, in other words, it's not that the Holy Spirit's going to prophesy to you about the future of what you need to become, but who you are and what that looks like as you live out this particular situation that you're in. Amen? The Holy Spirit's not trying to work in you to make you become something else. You're already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because that's the work He did. So from there on, you live as a citizen of heaven, accepted before the Father because of Christ, living from that place, not trying to... See, because a lot of people think that Christianity is a growth program to get to God. It's not. It is an adoption into a family from then which you go into the world and announce the victory of Jesus. Christianity is not a program of growing up into the becoming a child of God. You are a child of God. You are sanctified, cleansed, redeemed, secure in Him. And the more that you understand that and believe that and get that rooted in your own heart, then you'll live from the power of it. You know, so Christianity is not a program to become less of a sinner. Christianity is an identity. This is who you are because of what He's done. Now, here's some grace to live that way. Now go out and declare the kingdom. Walk in the power. That's what we're talking about. So in this series, we're transitioning into ideas of what it means to be baptized in the Spirit. So today, I'm going to start talking about the idea of baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. I'm not going to come up here and make you all pray in tongues or force you to do anything like that. If, you know, that, that, that's a small part of what we're going to talk about. Uh, the next, so Courtney's actually up next week, and I'm excited about that. But the next week, I'll be back in. This coming Wednesday, we'll be doing some practical application. 
uh, about what that looks like, but it's not just that particular gift. The baptism of the Spirit being endued with power is much more broad than one specific gift. So let's, let's get into it here. I'm going to do some teaching today. Y'all ready? I got a ton of scripture. Um, you know, a lot of times we bounce back and forth between practical application, um, you know, kind of philosophically talking about some of these concepts. But today I'm going to give you a lot of detail because I want you to be clear on who you are in Him. And I want you walking out of here today fully persuaded that you lack nothing. Fully persuaded that you have the Holy Spirit in full. If you said yes to Jesus, you are complete in Him. Amen? There's not something else from God that you need to get. There may be a yielding to the empowerment, but the empowerment comes from the Spirit that's already in you. So that's really the bottom line of where we're going today. When you leave today, I don't want you thinking, well, I need something else from God. I need to wait. God's going to do it one day. No, He's already done it. It's already finished. He's in you in full. Amen? So let's just break that down, what that looks like. So baptisms, there is baptism into Christ in water and in the Spirit or of the Spirit or by the Spirit. They're all kind of the same thing. I like to use with the Spirit because that's, that's what uh, some of these passages say. So let's start first off by talking about baptism into Christ. All right, ready? So Acts 2.38, uh, Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, so repent. In other words, change the way that you think. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and receive the gift of the Spirit. Does that sound like they all happen at separate times, or does it sound like it's a one-time thing? What does remission mean? So I'm gonna, we're going to get in some details, so just stick with me. But the operative idea that we're talking about for this per first part here is being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Now, instantly, when you hear the word baptized, people think about water, but I don't want you to think about water. I want you to think about what does it look like to be baptized into the name of Jesus, into the authority of Jesus. All right, so remission. First off, let's cover this. Remission. So you're baptized into the name or the authority of Jesus for the remission of sin. And this is what remission means. Release from bondage or imprisonment. So in other words, your sins are remitted. So you are released from the bondage or imprisonment of your sin. How many of you would like to experience that? Everybody said, would. I've got to admit, that was a trick. Forgiveness or pardon of sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed, remission of the penalty. So it's not that you're just forgiven and God acts like your sins weren't there. He removes the effects of sin from you. He remove, First off, He removes that sin nature from you, puts His own spirit in there, gives you a new heart, and strengthens you in a way that you can live in grace, in other words, in the power of God, rather than under the power of sin. A lot of times people think when you, when you focus on grace, living under grace rather than living under sin, pe because people confuse mercy and grace, what they think that you're saying is, well, God just will just forgive you if you sin. 
That's not what we're talking about. Grace is strength. Grace is power. Grace is an ability working in you that is stronger than the lure and the power of sin. So in effect, what it really means when you're living under grace, you're living by a power that compels you to live well of the salvation that you've been given so that you don't live in sin. So, a couple of questions for you here. Does water baptism cleanse you from sin? Remember, because he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Is he talking about water baptism? Okay, we'll see. I would agree with you, but we'd both be wrong. I stole that from Andrew Womack. <laughs> Let's go. 1 John 1, 7. I'm going to make you think today, all right? Because I know what we've been taught. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What cleanses you from sin? Is there water mentioned in there? All right. You are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus, and you are cleansed or sanctified by the blood of Jesus because Jesus has the authority to cleanse you of sin. Are you with me? It's not the water, it's the blood. Now, I'm not trying to speak against water. We're going to get there. Just keep following me. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. It's the blood that, remiss that remits your sin. In the name of Jesus refers to his authority to forgive and remove sin. Let me ask you this. If you get born again, you get saved, and you never get baptized in water, are you saved? Okay. Because you've been baptized in the authority of Christ who has the power to cleanse you of sin. Water baptism is an outward expression of that inner spiritual truth. Are you with me? Okay. I'm trying to make it as clear as possible. So, a name denotes, this is when you look up name in the name of Jesus, in the name of whatever, a name denotes everything to do with that person, including the authority they have in any given area. So, you know, old school, you handshake deals, right? And the, the strength of that person's name, their reputation, their character, their integrity was what gave you confidence in that handshake, right? It was their name. You got a good name, your, your, your reputation, the authority in which you walk. That is what we're talking about. We're not talking about that you're baptized in J-E-S-U-S -S or Y-E-S-H-U-A. We're talking about you're baptized in the authority of who Christ is. Amen? Who has the power to cleanse you of sin. So let's keep going. 1 John 2, 12. I'm writing you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you on account of his name. Just basically saying the same thing again. All right, so now let's go to Philippians 2.9. Therefore, God has also, excuse me, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, authority, position, seat of power. This is what we're talking about. He has the authority over every authority. He, his name, he is the highest. He is the preeminent one. 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is his name is his lordship. He is Lord. That is his authority. He's Lord of all. He's the King of kings. Amen? To the glory of God the Father. All right, so operative again, we're talking about being baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. So we're talking about baptism into Christ, water baptism, baptism with the Spirit. All right, so when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the old man dies. That should say immersed, not inerst. That's my bad. The old man dies when you are immersed into the authority of Christ. What do I mean by that? Romans 6.3. Or do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ? Is he talking about being baptized into water or being baptized into Christ? What if you get baptized in water, but it's not in Christ? I mean, you go swimming all the time. It's the same thing. You're just getting dunked under the water. Think about it. Uh, so, do you not know that as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Talking about being baptized into Christ. So, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So let's kind of dig into baptism into Christ. What happens in that moment? In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. See, everything about the old covenant pointed to the new. They were, they were, they were legitimate ordinances and statutes for the old covenant, but they also pointed to things coming within the new covenant. There were shadows and types about what was coming in Jesus. All of the old should have pointed you to Jesus so that once Jesus came on the scene, you're like, oh, we've been doing this ritual and this ritual and this statute and this law and this ordinance. Now I see the fulfillment of it in Christ. My mind and my heart has been shaped by the law of God to receive the life of God in Christ. They should have seen it. So there's a circumcision... So males underwent physical circumcision under the old as a sign of faith and as a sign of being sealed in the covenant, but it pointed to a future reality and truth, this particular circumcision, made without hands. What is that? So who's doing this circumcision if it's made without hands? God, yeah. So putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this, this phrase here putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. And I did a whole message on just that phrase right there a few weeks ago. Go back and, and watch, um, what's it called? I think it's called circumcision, uh, spiritual circumcision. I don't know, we'll, maybe we'll send an email out on that. But anyway, so what's happening here? Putting off, so there's a circumcision. So something is being cut away. And what is being cut away the body of the sins of the flesh. If you break that phrase down, what it's saying is the body of the sins of sarks. Sarks is the Greek word for flesh here. Sarks means this. It has two applications. One is your skin. Grab a hold of your hand right here. Skin. That's not what it's talking about. He didn't cut away your skin. You still have it, right? 
What he cut away is the other one. And the other application for sarks is the uh, old nature that the, it says actually mere human nature that is opposed to God and prone to sin. So what God cut away from you is the mere human nature that is opposed to God and prone to sin. And then what did he do? He gave you a new heart and he put his spirit within you. And that new heart has God's laws written within it. In other words, they're now part of you. They're not external laws written in stone that you have to follow for righteousness. He's given you righteousness, so his way of living is encoded within you. Amen? Now, does that mean you should just continue in sin? No. All right? So this is all talking about what happens when you're baptized into Christ. I'll get to when this happens in just a moment, but I want you to get a full picture of what it means to be baptized into Christ. And we'll talk about who's doing this baptism. So, buried with Him in baptism in which you were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. So you just kind of think through all this again. You're buried with Him in baptism. What baptism? Well, the verse before says there's a circumcision made without hands. The baptism is also done without hands. Not talking about water. We're talking about being baptized into Christ. Let's keep going. Say, keep going. Thank you, I will. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. So who baptizes you into Christ? All right. Whether Jew or Greeks, slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one Spirit. All right, let's keep going. Galatians 3.26. So from here we see that it is the Spirit that baptizes you into Christ. Galatians 3.26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Isn't it interesting that anytime you hear the word baptism, you instantly think about water? But that's not what he's talking about. I'm not trying to invalidate water baptism. I'm really not. I'm not it's like, not like I got a grudge against water baptism. But I think what it means to be baptized into the authority of Christ has been watered down. See what I did there? <laughs> are, are you with me? It's a very powerful spiritual thing that you have been baptized, immersed in Christ. You are in Christ. And, you know, we're going to stretch this out over a few more sessions and talk about what it means for Christ to be in you. So, being baptized in the name of Jesus isn't about which words are spoken over you when you come out of the water. It's about being immersed in His death, burial, and resurrection. How many of you have ever been part of a church where they argued about which words needed to be spoken over you when you came up out of the water for your water baptism? No, you're supposed to be baptized in the name of Christ. Well, no, you're supposed to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, no, you see, you're supposed to be baptized in this. You've got to say this before they go down, then you've got to say this when they come up. Otherwise, it's no good. It's invalidated. You didn't get the words right. You laugh, but I'm telling you, that is the state of the body of Christ. Praise God this church is here. <laughs> 
just so you know, we don't have it all figured out. You new people are looking at you like, well, you arrogant son of a gun. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit, but on this point here, are you with me? All right. All right, so what is water baptism then? It's an outward expression of this inward reality, a spiritual truth of you having been baptized into Christ. So when you are water baptized, it is a ritual. It is a point in time for you to identify with what happened to you spiritually. It's a good idea if you can water baptize at the same time that you're born again. But if you're not water baptized, ever are you not born again. I mean, look at the thief on the cross. Well, see, God made a special exception for him. Well, God doesn't make exceptions. You actually understand a little bit more about water baptism when you understand John's baptism. Now, water baptism for the Christian is not necessarily the same as John's baptism, but in effect, they are similar. Again, we've established water baptism is an outward expression, just like communion. Communion is a ritual that God gave us to remember what Jesus did for us. Nothing special happens in communion. It's not like the body and the blood turns into the body and the blood of Christ, and now it's a special energy for you. You know, we're not Catholic. You know, that's what Catholics believe. Catholics believe when you take the body, the bread, and the, and the juice, the wine, that it literally becomes the blood of Christ. Well, I appreciate that they have that belief, but they're missing a step. That has actually already happened. You already have the power of Christ in you. You already have the life of Christ in you. So you don't need to take an external substance to make a manifestation happen. What's the word, what's the word they use? What, say it again. Transubstantiation. Yeah. Transubstantiation. You done been transubstantiated. <laughs> I wouldn't make you repeat that, but some of you would be aghast to say such phrases. All right, let's keep going. So on this kind of idea, water baptism, John's baptism. See, because this is going to be important when we get to a point in Acts, which is another debate within the church. There's some guys that the early apostles run into that, don't, that have not yet received the Spirit. And if you're listening on audio, I did air quotes around received the Spirit. We'll get there in just a second. So Matthew 3.11, this is... Um, John, John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, was out. He was a prophet of God, the greatest prophet under the Old Testament, it says of him. Paul is, or, uh, John is the fulfillment of the coming of Elijah, which the Old Testament ends in Malachi, prophesying of the coming of Elijah again to usher in the Messiah. And Jesus reveals to us that John is in the spirit of Elijah. So John is the fulfillment of the last prophecy of the Old Testament to usher in the new covenant. All right. So John, speaking of himself, says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So... Here's the picture. The Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. And then what does Jesus do? Baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, when you think of baptism, we all think about external rituals of dunking, but what we're talking about is being put into, being immersed into, and it's kind of a death. You go into it to the degree that you die and you come out different, and you are transubstantiated or transfigured or transformed after the manner of that which it is you are immersed into. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. So, the baptism of John was for the repentance from sin. Baptism into Christ is for the remission of sin. And then we're going to get to baptism in the Holy Spirit, or with the Holy Spirit. How and when are you baptized into Christ? How and when are you baptized into Christ? All right, good. Those, that's a question that I want you to be grounded on as we continue on here. So I want to look at Acts, and if you're familiar with these particular passages, we're looking at 18 and 19 when Apollos shows up on the scene and you know the early church is out doing their thing and the word of Jesus is spreading. You even have people who are trying to buy the power of God. They don't really understand what's happening. They're all trying to figure this early expression of what it looks like to be the kingdom of God on this planet, to be the body of Christ on the planet. They're working things out, right? So you run across this particular story in the book of Acts that creates a lot of confusion in the body of Christ regarding baptism of the Spirit. So let's look at it. Acts 18, 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. A lot of people believe that Apollos wrote Hebrews because there were rumblings out there that Apollo, Apollos was actually a better teacher than Paul, and there's some things in there that, that seem to be elaborated on that are different from the way Paul speaks. A lot of people believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, the letter of Hebrews. You know, we're not completely sure, but it could be this guy, or it could be Paul, just for a little history there. Um, so this man had, in, had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Very, very key phrase here. So he, it's kind of like Job. You know, the, the whole book of Job is very interesting, but it's boiled down into this one idea. Job was wrong. <laughs> and he admitted as much when God got up in his face and said, who do you think you are claiming to be righteous and accusing me of injustice? Paul said, I knew about, or Job said, I knew about you, but now I know you. Same thing is happening here. Apollos knew about God. This uh, Apollos, you know who Apollos reminds me of? Jordan Peterson. Any Jordan Peterson fans out there? Jordan Peterson is a, he's a clinical psychologist that's made waves in um, just modern times because people came against him for uh, refusing to adapt pronouns for this whole gender liquidity thing, right? He said, look, I'll call you whatever you want me to call you if, you're, if you ask me to, but don't make a law forcing me to use pronouns that go against science. There's two genders. 
He's like, all of science agrees. I, so I'm not going to go into that. Too. But anyway, when you watch Jordan Peterson, he, he understands so, because of his, under, his studies and, and all of the, you know, everything that he's looked into, he understands the archetypal elements of Jesus. In other words, self-sacrifice, being born again, resurrection. He will flat out say he's not sure if all that stuff was literal or not, but he understands the, the strength of if it were true, if it were real, this is the power and the strength of it. Are you with me? So like he understands it from an intellectual perspective, but he has not yet been born again. So therefore, it's just an intellectual exercise for him. I'm waiting for that dude to get born again. I'm telling you, when that dude gets born again, we will see a global revival. I know, I just like the guy. I pray for him. So, you know, to me, that's how I understand Apollos. He's like a modern-day Jordan Peterson. He gets it, but he didn't have the spirit. He's not born again. All right, so let's keep going. Um, Acts 19, verse 1, And it happened with Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, it's an interesting question, but listen to their answer, okay? Are you with me? So they said to him, We have not heard so much, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. They were not baptized into Christ. They had not heard of baptism into Christ, which is coupled with the idea of being given the gift of the Spirit. They didn't know that there was a gift of the Spirit, not because they were born again, but had not yet received the baptism of the Spirit. They had not even been baptized into Christ yet. They specifically say, we only know of John's baptism, which is a water baptism for repentance, does nothing inwardly, but outwardly gives indication, I'm willing to repent of my sin and turn away and live a different way, but there's not an inner change. They had not yet been born again because they had only been baptized in John's baptism, which is a water baptism for repentance, not a baptism into Christ for the remission of sin. Are you with me? Keep going. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that, there sh that they should believe on him. Remember that? Say believe. Believe on him which would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they heard. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. This is very important. There's a lot of detail here. Praise God for the Bible. So, when do you get baptized into Christ? When you believe, when you have heard about Him, and you believe on Him. You are, baptized into, you are baptized into the authority or the name of Jesus when you hear and believe the gospel about Jesus Christ. Now, did Paul run them down to the river in water baptism? Baptize them. Are you sure? 
I mean, I don't know that we can really be sure about that. But from this particular passage, it is very clear they were baptized into the name of Jesus once they heard it and believed it. A lot of people have heard it, but haven't believed it. So, now, then this, there's this other phrase, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. See, here's the difference in that what's going on there. It is implied because of the understanding of the church at that time that when you were baptized into Christ, simultaneously Christ baptized you in the Spirit. So I'm not saying there's one baptism. I'm saying there's two different things happening at the same time. You hear the gospel, your heart believes, then the Spirit baptizes you into Jesus, and Jesus puts the Spirit in you. God seals you with His Spirit and gives you a new heart. So at the time that you hear and believe, there's a circumcision performed on you made without hands. You are baptized into His death. You are raised up in His resurrection, whether there's water involved or not. Do you see it? If you disagree, that's okay. I'm not trying to force you to believe a particular thing. But I want you to be clear in when the baptism of the Spirit happens, it happens when you believe. When you, be, when you are put in Christ, Christ is put in you. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you and changes the kind of creature that you are. You become a new creature in the moment that you hear and believe. All right? Let's keep going. Maybe a little bit longer today. So the baptism of the Spirit. So who baptizes with the Spirit? Who baptizes you? With the Spirit, Jesus. When are you baptized with the Spirit? Or in the Spirit? Or receive the baptism of the Spirit? Because that's a language, that's a phrase that's used that also creates confusion. Did you receive the baptism of the Spirit? Well, I think so. Is it different? Is it maybe it's different? And that's a big discussion in the body of Christ. Different denominations and sections say that there is a second infilling and then people that think that they know the Bible better than everybody else say, no, you're wrong about everything because you're wrong about that one thing. There is no second blessing. There is no second this. Well, I agree with that. There is no second blessing. There is no second infilling. You are filled with the Spirit when you say yes to Jesus. Now, the difference is are you yielded to the power of that Spirit within you to come upon you? So that's what Paul did. And what Paul did is what is considered a proper biblical impartation, and that is he lays hands upon them, and the effect is you then somehow become imparted or stirred up for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. It's almost, I see it as almost like a tuning of frequencies, you know, like you can take a tuning fork and strike it, hold it up to this guitar right here, and whatever tuning key that is, it will begin to resonate. That guitar will resonate that frequency. To me, that's what happens when we have people lay hands on us. Let's say somebody lays hands on you that's operating in a particular gift, and then you start operating in that gift. Well, did they give you that gift? No because you have the Holy Spirit, but maybe they woke up within you the capacity or the frequency to operate in that gift. Call it the faith. Call it the confidence. Call it whatever you want to call it. But I do know this. You aren't born again, and then somebody else gives you the Holy Spirit. 
You aren't born again having received the Spirit and then somebody else gives you gifts. And we're going to get into that. We're, when we talk about the gifts, there's one Spirit and He operates all gifts in all people. We're, we're going to go there, so I hope you come back or at least watch online. So do we have to wait for the Spirit like the disciples? Let's just look at this for just a minute since I want to kind of get all this in there. Luke 24, 46, then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples after his resurrection. He says, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for, Christ to, for, for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So, particularly Pentecostals and, you know, people that really tend to focus more on the gifts, and I'm, I'm really not trying to draw lines between denominations. People ask, what denomination are you? I mean, whatever Jesus is, let's just claim that denomination, right? But, so they waited, all right? So they waited on the Holy Spirit. Why? probably because the Holy Spirit had not yet been sent. It was not yet a thing to be for the Holy Spirit to live within them. You know, for the early apostles, it was unique. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Spirit. So that's interesting. But that's probably just a preparation for them. I don't really fully know what happened in that, but it was different for them than it is for us because the Spirit had not yet been given. In this moment, it was then given. But then you think about how long did they wait because we know that it was 50 days from the ascension to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. But look at this. Acts 1.1, the former account I made, O Theophilus, uh, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, so from the resurrection, after he through the Holy Spirit which had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. So how long was Jesus seen by the apostles after his resurrection? 40 days. So what's 50 minus 40? So they waited 10 days, but did they? Because we also know that he was in the grave three days, so that's three days added to the 40. They waited about a week for the Holy Spirit. You know, we think, oh, they had this great long patience for 50 days. Not really. They waited about a week. All right, so let's keep going. I'm almost done. So Acts 1:4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have been, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they had not yet been baptized with the Spirit. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Now, here's what's interesting. They were already walking around doing miracles because he gave them the power to perform miracle signs and wonders. Remember that back in Luke 9 and 10? He gave them and then the subsequent 70 power to go out and perform miracles. That, that's incredible to me. So the gifts... Uh, were in operation even before they had the Holy Spirit. That's another thing we're going to talk about when we get into the gifts part. So therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, so, so let me just clarify, now you get it all in one. All right, so therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, 
will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? That's what they were waiting for. They wanted to be set free from Roman oppression. They wanted to rule and reign on this earth. And he said to them, It's not for you to know the seasons which the Father has put in my own authority, but you shall receive power, say power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So that is what the empowerment, the baptism of the Spirit is for, that you be a witness of Jesus. Jesus baptized you with His Spirit so you can walk in His power. A couple more. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, with, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly they came a, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house when they were, where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided or diverse tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Wouldn't you like to have been in the room in that moment? And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And the Spirit gave them, as the Spirit gave them utterance, they were filled. Gosh, sorry. And, they, and my head is faster than the words. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. If you're unfamiliar with this, imagine a bunch of different nationalities in here that we speak different languages and we don't understand each other because we don't speak their languages. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts speaking in these tongues and then everybody understands each other. That's what happened. And I've heard of stories of testimonies, people being in foreign nations, they start to speak and praying with their spirit and then somebody understands what they're saying because it's in their language. All right, so no more scriptures, final thoughts. If you're born again, Jesus has already baptized you with His Spirit. Amen. Now, going into next week, it's up, or my next sermon, it's up to you to take hold, the phrase there is lambano, and we're going to go into that. Take hold of the Holy Spirit to come upon you and empower you. There's faith involved in operating in the gifts, in operating in the power, in operating in your office of administration that God has set you in. God is not going to just make it happen to you. God is not going to go against the condition of your heart. If you want to function in the gifts, if you want to function in the particular office of administration or the part of the body of Christ that God has for you, you have to exercise faith. And exercising faith doesn't mean you do something to get God to respond to you. Exercising faith, faith is this. I trust you, God. God stands there and says, I am your deliverer. Faith says, I agree. And to the degree to which you agree with Him is either small or great faith, weak or strong faith. Weak and strong, little and great faith don't have to do with the context of your own faith. It has to do with to what degree are you persuaded in who He is and His claims of Himself. Jesus stands before them and says, they say, Please heal me. And he says, do you believe that I can do this? And they're like, yeah, I think you can. I just saw you do it. They're responding to him, his authority. That's faith. That's what faith is. Yes, Jesus. So the work of the believer 
is mind renewal unto transformation. The work of the believer is not to do works to become more sanctified into the full stature of a strong Christian. The work of the believer is to believe in the finished work of Jesus to the degree that in your mind you've put on the new man to the degree that you are yielded to the Spirit, not limiting him, not constricting him down into the realm of you've saved me, but I'm waiting for you to empower me. We have a part to play in that. And the, 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 the explanations of the Holy Spirit being in you to empower you, all of the explanations of what happens there and when it happens and why it doesn't happen and how it happens, there's probably 30 denominations, denominational lines drawn on the answering of those questions. Because that's usually where denominations come from, arguing over what God does and doesn't do anymore. But the Holy Spirit is in you to come upon you. The way I like to say it is the Holy Spirit still resides, because, you know, under the old covenant, the Holy Spirit would come out of heaven, rest upon someone, anoint them for a specific prophetic task or to be a king or whatever. They would fulfill that task, and then the Holy Spirit would lift off of them. A lot of new covenant believers still think that the Holy Spirit will come and anoint, and then if He's displeased with you, He will lift up His hand off of you and take His anointing. Well, you, that's impossible because the anointing is in you. I'm preaching my next message, but I want you to leave encouraged, knowing you are complete in Him. Say, I am complete in Christ. I lack nothing. I have been baptized into Christ, and I have been baptized with the Spirit. I have all of God. Amen. You do. Are you all excited to talk about the next part? I am. I'm ready to get there. But don't wait. You can walk in that. You got something? Are you testifying? Yeah. You're talking about for the remission of sin? Mm -hmm. In order to or because of, because of your remission of sin, it's like an outward expression yeah. of faith. So I just wanted to, I don't know if that um, is going to get addressed, but um, that's what they are. I addressed a lot. So what you're saying is you're not going to be forgiven until you right. repent. Yeah, because you've been forgiven in Christ, you can, your sins can be washed away because you put faith in Him. Yeah. Let's stand up. Just keep your attention on the Lord. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much that You've given us the capacity to gather and just strengthen each other and to encourage one another. Father, I thank You for Your beautiful body on this planet that we just wake up, that we quit limiting who You are, that we walk in the confidence of what you've done inside of us, then that we step into that part of the body that you have for us to walk into. We are all important. We all have a role to play. We all have a specific gift mix that you've worked within us to walk in. Father, I thank you that we strengthen and encourage each other. We don't doubt and question one another. We don't condemn each other. We don't discount and disqualify one another, but that we recognize we are all part of the same body and we lift each other up. Father, that is my desire to see the body of Christ, even especially in this place, walk in the strengthening of each other, to draw those gifts out, 
to say you can do this because it is already in you. Quit doubting. Quit limiting. Walk in the power of His Spirit. Father, we thank You for the gift of Your Spirit. And I thank You even right now that You're giving us insight and wisdom of how to yield to the power of Your Spirit within us so that it comes upon us, so that we operate in all of those gifts and we experience the empowerment, the outward endowment of power, Lord. Father, we thank You. We trust You. Father, we just speak life over every single person in this place. Father, I thank You for generosity rising up. We are free in You. We are not obligated. You are not withholding anything from us. You have given us all of Your blessings. You've given us everything that pertains unto life and godliness. So many promises available by Your Spirit. I thank You for financial provision financial breakthrough in every person's life in this place that they experience who you defined yourself to be. You are our provider. And as Jesus taught in Matthew 6, you provide for us because of your value for us. You talk about the birds and you talk about the flowers and you say, if God will provide for them, how much more will he provide for you? God seeks to provide for you because you are valuable to him. Just let Him work that promise in your heart. Father, we thank You. I trust You. Just say yes to Jesus. If you're in this room and you're watching online today, you've never said yes to Jesus, just say yes to Him. Just say, I'm willing to believe, Jesus, that what You did was for me. And if you're watching online, uh, you can go to our website, forward.church. At the bottom of that page, there's a Who is Jesus. Click on that and read through that and let us know that you made a decision for Him.